Brothers and sisters, our text for this afternoon's sermon comes from Lord's Day 50, which can be found on page 562 of our books of praise. Let's turn to that and read that now. So, Lord's Day 50. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, provide us with all our bodily needs, so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good and that our care and labor, and also your gifts, cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only on you. After the sermon, we will respond in singing with the singing of Psalm 78, stanzas 7 through 11. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the world in which we live is becoming more and more secular. Since the so-called enlightenment of the 18th century, man has become more and more emancipated. At least in his own eyes, man has come of age. Man in his own eyes has grown independent of God. It followed logically in the 19th century that the very God of our existence, the creator of heaven and earth, was explained away by the theories of Charles Darwin. The universe had created itself, and science had to prove it. Yes, also the Western world, where God's word had been preached for centuries, is becoming increasingly secular, a world without God. It's no longer God who sends the rain, it simply rains because of the laws of nature. Science will explain everything. Dear congregation, we are well aware of such an ungodly worldview in, which, uh, in the society in which we live. Anyone who has eyes will see that presently the whole world, including Canada, is becoming more and more secular day by day, openly and blatantly. There is no more room for the God of the Scriptures, for the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His name and His word are no longer honored in Parliament, or in law-giving, or in education, or in any sphere of the government. But what about the church? What is the worldview of the church members? Many theologians and large bonds of churches have been infected by this increasingly ungodly and secular worldview as it has developed over the centuries. It spreads like cancer. And thus it happens, for example, that many in the church try to match the scripture with secular science in order to keep the church relevant. In order to stay relevant, the church must rethink its theology, they say. We may have to start thinking differently about God, about creation, about God's providence. For science has proven that this world is able to run by itself, they say. And thus many theologians, even in Reformed churches, arguments today that we need to rethink our view of God and reformulate our theology are there if we want to remain relevant and want to be connected in this world in which we live. We will become too isolated and irrelevant if we still proclaim that God made this world in six days, or that the sun really stood still on the command of Joshua. And if we are so childish to believe that Balaam's donkey really spoke to him, or that Jonah was really three days in the belly of the fish before he went to Nineveh, we know that such things don't happen in the real world, don't we? Our faith should be compatible with modern science, should it not? 
dear congregation, to bring this a little closer to ourselves, it happened recently that, re that professors in a reformed theological university have become very excited about the new perspective on the emancipation of this world. We should appreciate what is happening in the world, they say. The emancipation of man is happening under the guidance of God himself. God does not want us to remain children. He guides us to become more independent of his care, they say. Man is coming, becoming self-sufficient and autonomous. Like a child that outgrows his childhood, so man has come of age and is able to run this world largely by his own skills and knowledge and is able to overcome all difficulties. Man does not need God so much anymore. These theologians reckon that this development can be seen as something positive. God has raised us to autonomy, they reckon. Dear congregation, seeing that we live in such a context and time in which man has become so enlightened and emancipated in his own eyes, yes, so independent, standing on his own two feet in a world without God, and knowing that such secularization has not left the church unaffected, what do we do with Lord's Day 50? Can we still expect that modern man should ask for his daily bread from God? How do you understand this petition? Do you still pray this petition, asking for daily bread, while you know you have a healthy bank balance? Do you still ask for rain when you know that the weather forecast says it will rain anyways? Do you still live like a small child in your father's house, receiving everything from his hand now that you're grown up? Is the fourth petition still relevant in a world that has become so self-sufficient? Or maybe it's only a petition for the poor and needy? Dear congregation, I proclaim God's word to you with this theme. In the midst of a secular world, we still pray the fourth petition. We note that we are to depend completely on the Lord's provision, and in the second place, that we are to seek and acknowledge his fatherly care. So in the first place, we note that we are to depend completely on the Lord's provision. This afternoon, we read from a well-known passage from Deuteronomy 8, where Moses said to the people of Israel, So the Lord humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he may make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. These words were spoken to Israel shortly before they entered the land of Canaan. The Lord knew that when they entered the land that flowed with milk and honey, and that when they become rich and prosperous, they would be in danger of becoming proud and forget the Lord and think in their hearts, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth, as it says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 17. Now, lest that would happen, he instructs them to remember the lessons which he taught them during the 40 years in the wilderness. He reminds him, them how he cared for them. There was no food in the desert to feed a gathering of at least 3 million people, about 600,000 men above the age of 20, not counting the women and children and not counting the tribe of Levi. And yet, there, in the barren desert, the Lord fed this enormous gathering for 40 years. There was no means in the desert to satisfy their hunger. Therefore, the Lord did it directly from heaven. He just spoke, and manna rained down on them. Yes, they received their daily bread directly from heaven. It was not nature that provided for them. 
It was not the abundance of fruit trees or golden harvests that fed them. The Lord fed them in a way that they could not imagine, a way that had never been heard of. In this way, he taught them that they should not depend on the means and provisions of nature or the favor of Baal. He clearly showed them that it is he who feeds them. Even when all natural means are cut off, the Lord has no difficulty in caring for us. In this way, he taught them two lessons. First of all, they had to withdraw all their trust from all creatures. They had to withdraw their trust from nature. And they had no choice, for in this place, nature was barren and empty. They had to depend on the Lord alone for their daily bread. The second lesson he taught them was that they, when they do enter the land of milk and honey and find that the land produces in abundance, that they should remember that it's not the many fruit trees or the good soil or even their own labor that provides for them. Also, when the Lord makes use of those means, it is no less he who's taking care of them. When the Lord uses natural means to take care of us, then it still remains that it is he who cares for us. When he cares for you by providing you a job and good health, then that salary check that you received is no less his caring than when he would feed you in a miraculous way directly from heaven. If we do not understand this, or believe this, then our trust in natural means is nothing but idolatry. It is not nature that cares for us. It is not the natural production of bread and wine that feeds us. It is not the sun that gives life and growth. It is not the rain that causes a good harvest. It is God. And without his care, nature can not provide us with one meal. Yes, if we were to have any other perception and somehow trust in the natural course of nature or in our own labor and skills, our trust would be nothing but idolatry. This world is not self-sufficient and man is not autonomous. Brothers and sisters, we have to know that whether God feeds us directly from heaven with manna or whether he gives you a salary check, there really is no difference. In both cases, the bread is on your table and it's his doing and his doing alone. Do you still believe this? Do you still consciously live from the hand of our Heavenly Father? Furthermore, we also have to note how the Lord worded this instruction to Israel. Moses said, He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna. He humbled them. He caused them to experience hunger, and then he fed them with manna. So first he humbled them. He caused the children of Israel to realize their need for help. He brought them to a point where they had to see and acknowledge their total dependence on him. That was actually the first lesson. He led them into a situation where they could not turn to nature or any natural means or natural sources or trust in their own abilities. There in the desert, they had no option but to turn to the Lord. And so he brought them to a point where they could be stripped of all false confidence. He purposefully led them into the desert where there was no means to sustain them, where nature had nothing to offer, that they may learn to live by faith depending on the Lord and trusting him alone to care for them. Yes, man is not autonomous. We are totally dependent on the Lord. Whether man wants to know it or not, it is grace when we are brought to the point where we acknowledge this. The Lord does not seek a proud, independent, and emancipated people. 
He gathers for himself a humble people who receive their daily bread from his hand only. Brothers and sisters, the Lord continues to teach this also to his church in the New Testament. We read a second passage, Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord says that our Heavenly Father cares for everything. He cares for the birds of the air and for the grass of the field. And he cares much more for us, his children. In that passage, the Lord admonishes us for our little faith. He exhorts us all to put our trust in our Father in heaven who cares for us. He teaches us to live consciously in total dependence upon our Father in heaven and not to worry like the heathens about food and clothing and all the provisions of our bodily needs. Our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things. He will provide. Shall we then show appreciation for a doctrine that teaches the independence and emancipation of man, which imagines that man can be autonomous? They may use many arguments and great and learned words to make such a doctrine sound acceptable. They may use much plaster and makeup to cover its ugliness. But such a lifestyle where man imagines some kind of self-sufficiency in this world is godless and ungodly. Dear congregation, God has not abdicated his throne, nor has he resigned as our God and Father, nor does he seek an arrogant people who count themselves self-sufficient. He gathers for himself a humble people who seeks him and acknowledges him as their God and Father in all things, in all of life, even our most basic bodily needs, food, drink, and clothing. Brothers and sisters, without the fourth petition, there is no true faith. Without the fourth petition, there is no Christianity. Where the fourth petition becomes absent, idolatry is present. And therefore, we note in the second place that we are to seek and acknowledge our Father's care. Here in the fourth petition, the Lord teaches us that we're to daily ask our Heavenly Father to provide our bodily needs. We may accept it in our mind that we're dependent upon the Lord for food and clothing and for our, all our bodily needs, but it goes one step further to actually seek the face of our Father in heaven and to ask him for our daily bread. The expression, our daily bread, first of all, refers to the daily food on our table. Both the Hebrew and the Greek word for bread often refer to food in general. And thus the phrase, eat bread, may simply mean, have a meal. But here, in the Lord's Prayer, its meaning is also broader. It stands for all of our physical needs. Scripture often uses the word bread to refer to that which we need in order to support our physical life. When the Lord said in Ezekiel 4, verse 16, I will cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem, he means... There will be famine, and the people will die of hunger. It means, I will cut off their life support, the supply of their physical needs. O son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Ezekiel 14, verse 13. And when scripture speaks of the abundance of bread, it refers to prosperity. For example, in Ezekiel 16, verse 49, we read, Look, this was the inquiry of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, abundance of bread, 
and abundance of idleness. There, the prophet referred to physical prosperity with the words abundance of bread. And one last example. In Proverbs 30, verse 8, we read, Give me neither poverty or riches, but feed me with the bread allotted to me. There, the bread allotted to me refers to a moderate income, a moderate living, in opposition to riches and poverty. This is how we understand the expression, our daily bread, as we confess it in Lord's Day 50. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, provide us with all our bodily needs. But then our confession also goes a little further in explaining the purpose of praying this petition. So that we may acknowledge that thou art the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor, and also thy gifts, cannot do us any good without thy blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in thee. With this petition, we entrust ourselves entirely to the Lord's care. With this prayer, we confess our total dependence on the Lord. He is the one who provides the meal on my table. He is the one caring for all my bodily needs. Without his daily care for me, I will lack everything and have nothing. And not only do we acknowledge our total dependence on him, but we also actively seek our bread from his hand. We pray, our Father in heaven, help us to live in such dependence on you. Grant that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in thee. Help me, Father, to live this way, seeking your grace and care when I rise in the morning and when I go about my daily task, that in everything I may seek your face expecting nothing apart from your hand and your blessing, not daring and wanting to live without your personal care for me. Brothers and sisters, we don't only need God for our soul or for our salvation, while we ourselves can take care of the rest. We may not restrict God to the sphere of religion and the private sphere of the soul, and for the rest, trust in the course of natures and in the abilities of men. Our prayer here in this petition is the opposite of emancipation. It is the opposite of seeking autonomy. We pray, Father, I can't care for myself, only you can. Father, with all the knowledge and abilities you have given me, I am still not able to provide one piece of bread on the table without you. Without your personal care for me, I can do nothing. Will you, in your mercy, provide for me? It's not a prayer of a proud modern man. It's the prayer of a humble people who live before the face of God, seeking his help, and with prayer and thanksgiving, receive everything from his hand only. It is the prayer of those who have become like little children in their father's house. Dear congregation, it is only through our Lord Jesus Christ that we may call on our God our Father. And therefore, we also pray this petition only in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he died for our sins and intercedes for us as true and eternal high priest, so that we may draw near to the mercy seat of God in his name, washed by his blood and clothed with his perfect righteousness, and pray also this petition. Yes, we receive everything from the hands of our Heavenly Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, and thus also thank the Father through him. Through Jesus Christ, my Savior, the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, has become my God and my Father. 
my almighty and faithful Father in heaven. And thus we pray this petition like little children. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we are assured, my almighty and, alm and faithful Father in heaven will care for me as he has promised it. He has promised it to us in the name of his beloved Son. Therefore, let us trust him, ask him, and receive it from his hand, and thank him for it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.